Welcome to another episode of the bonus There Will Be Dungeons. Yeah, we do it once a month. That's right. We do it because you guys support us and we really appreciate it. And it's a chance for us to answer your hard-hitting, interesting, and fantastic questions you send us each month. So thanks for those. And keep those coming. Yeah. I want to jump in before we get to questions, yeah. though. Uh-oh. Be- yeah. Because we just finished the the season finale and you guys did awesome. And congratulations on that. Oh, thanks, man. No, You deserve the credit. You got the story master over there. Look at you with the great ideas and the fun stuff. I, I just, I just, I just hope you guys enjoy the the, the hooks and the the bait that's laid out. Everybody jumped at it. It was an awesome fall. I loved how in character, like it's a weird thing to say, but I love how in character overwhelms you all were in the final moments. Oh well, I love when we fall for your bait because that means it was smart bait. So good job on the bait. You're a master baiter, is what I'm saying. That's what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why anyone's laughing. DM the MB. Yeah, the MB. Well done. Uh, well, uh, let's get to these questions. These are uh, from the previous month, so these won't address any of our episode tonight, but I can't wait to hear what some of you have to say about our finale. Uh, but for now, let's throw it over to Kristen, who has a whole list here. Kristen, take it away. Okay, first one is a question about special guest Garrett. A few episodes ago, the group met Ko's former gang, the Cloven Brotherhood, and they were described as having wild, interesting hairstyles and colors. I assumed that Garrett would play one of those guys, given his propensity for great hair. Was this a fake-out, or was I just reading too much into it? Love the show, though. P.S. The show is great. The guests make it even greater. Wow, that was really nice. Yeah, I agree. Garrett is, uh, well, he's a funky hair guy, you know? So... You'd think he would come in, you know, with the funky hair blazing, but we can't always get. What I we wish. Want. <laughs> um, yeah, he was he was really great though. Actually, I think um, the way guest things happen this this time around were were, were awesome. Um, I think he and Bo did a killer job, and I really look forward to future stuff. Thought it was really good. Not Brian though. Oh, Brian, yeah, Brian, I forgot Brian. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Brian was here. You're right. He did a great job too. So I don't know, Kyle. Kyle is somebody who has to kind of juggle that because that does change up how DMing goes, and it's just a I don't know. It's a new wrinkle in the thing. How, how did it go for you? It went great. Like I I was sad that the time goes by so fast with one more voice. Of course, it's very easy to run through that time, particularly when it came to. Garrett's episode in particular, such an awesome dragon fight that we had to kind of cut scene speed through. But you guys did do really well kind of getting every advantage. You got the the uh, the, 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 the arrow slang, the dragon slayer sword, and everyone was really into the button. So I think we would have done pretty well in there, though there may have been some you know drama fall downs, which would have been really nice. But honestly, every guest was so awesome that I had to make massive cuts in content because I want to make sure that, you know, if they're... If they're not into the role play, they want to do more of the mechanics. Maybe they're more into puzzles or something like that, that there's that avenue for them. But every single one of them loved that role play of it so much that we ended up just kind of talking and hanging out in those characters more than originally intended. As for like what happened with Garrett with the the hair thing, not planned. That would have been awesome. Each guest I asked kind of what they wanted to do or what sort of theme they wanted to be a part of. Some of them, you know, we had to be like, oh, let's let's explore that a little bit. Like, you know, Garrett was, I want to be a badass. I want to be an elf. I want to be a hunter. And we're like, okay, I've got this quest in the mountains we can do. Brian was just like, I want a heist. I want to do a heist. I want a big rogue break down the door. Let's do some Ocean's Eleven stuff. I want that. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really fun. I look forward to whatever, you know, sometimes that dynamic is just hard to reproduce without them just showing up and they do a new thing and then 
you run with it, we run with it. It's just, it's a fun, fun way to expand the show. Next question. The team recently got graded like they were in school. So going with that idea, if Grinkeeper Co. and Splendor Belt were in high school, which gang would they sit with at the lunch cafeteria? Oh, geez. Co. would definitely be the nerdy kid that uh, was doing homework for other kids. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, Co so- is Co is definitely I I've tried to show it through the confidence when he's around people he doesn't know and the lack of confidence when he's around people that he does. Um, he's definitely but he wasn't the coolest Seder growing up in the Seder gang. Like he was definitely the one that was a little more artistic is why he has a background as a as a forgery guy. And he was definitely taken advantage of. So in school, he's definitely the uh, he's definitely the nerd. But also, like uh, all great high school movies, he might be the one that someone was like, I dare you to take Ko to prom. And then he, you know, glams Super up. Super handsome. Nice. Yeah. yeah he's he off turns glasses. out he's great. Yeah. He's like, oh, my gosh. The eyebrows. Look, you got it. <laughs> it got rid of the glasses and the pigtails. I don't know why he had pigtails, but he did. And uh, then it's just amazing. Well, I would be, I can tell you exactly what he would be. This isn't necessarily who I'd be, but um, I was more of a, I was a nerd growing up um, until I got tall. And then suddenly nobody treated me like a nerd anymore. And so height is weird. Height is a, height is a factor that benefited me. And I, and I didn't really know it at the time. I was like, oh, people are so much nicer to me. I realized, well, it's because you're 6'3", dude. But anyway, <laughs> it's just, a, you know, it was a it was a realization that came later in life. But at the time, I just thought, oh, they stopped picking on me. Why? I didn't understand it. But um, in in Splendor Belt's life, he would be the kind of kid that would be in the lunchroom sitting by himself and not a problem. He's cool doing that. He'll sit there. He'll enjoy whatever he's eating. He thinks a lot and he would just sort of stare into nothing and he'd eat his potato like a good boy. And the only reaction you would get out of him is like a hello or a nod or whatever if you were trying to say hi to him. But if he saw some kid in trouble or getting picked on, he would absolutely, without a word, absolutely leap up, tackle that other kid down, teach him a lesson, go back to eating and pretend like nothing really happened. So he would have been a great protector, but he wouldn't have been very social and part of a clique. He kind of would have been his own clique. So that loner type. Loner type, but with a heart of gold, you'd want to help. You know, and he, and he, especially if somebody was punching down and, you know, if somebody was getting bullied, he would totally step up. But, but he didn't need constant interaction and or social, you know, um, assurance all the time. He would, he's fine. It's a man, his potato and his, and his lunch hour. And that's enough for him. I guess 20 minutes is all I have when I was in junior high. So his lunch, 20 minutes. A uh, grinkeeper totally would have been a jock. But like, but one of those jocks where she's part of the cheerleaders, but then she discovers this interesting sport called chess or something, and she's dumb as rocks, but she really enjoys some off-brand sports. And you wouldn't have been, you know, I would have, you would have been one of the good jocks. I can't imagine you were picking <laughs> on some nerd kid. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't a mean jock. Yeah. 
All right, next question. Is anyone else, oh, oh yeah, here it is. This is for you, Splendor Belt. Is anyone else extremely confused as to why Splendor Belt hasn't bought any of the farm upgrades yet? <laughs> According to the price list posted in Discord, he could already have a very nice farm as opposed to a dragon horde of gold hidden in a crack in a rock. What's the hold up? <laughs> I think part of it is there's- That's a good question. Yeah, this is very much me, by the way. I'm an, I'm nervous to spend it until I know- the plan's all set. Right now, things are weird and up in the air in that I don't know when I can give full time to the to the farm. And as a result, I know I'm in danger a lot because of the job I'm doing. And if I do all of those upgrades and then I get killed, then all there is is a minotaur head to take care of the damn thing. And I'm not really prepared for that. So I'm taking that part slow. I also want to make sure the ground yields an actual potato, a decent potato yield. Uh, by the end of that three or four months um, because I need that as kind of, you know, proof that, yeah, this is the place to do it. And it's not like, you know, some weird corrupted earth or some weird magic shit I don't know about. And so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just cautious and conservative about it for you're, what, you're whatever You're sleeping reason. on the dirt, man. You got visited you could, by a god. Uh, you could buy <laughs> a house. Well, I could, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have... Again, the confidence in... I don't mind laying on the ground. That doesn't bother me. I'm an orc. It's fine. I can do it. Uh, what concerns me is if I go all in, it'll have to be... That'll be when I go all, all in. And there's no real point in going too nuts before I'm sure the time is right. Because this is so me, though. This is exactly what I do. <laughs> in every case. Like, talk about lunch. I do this with lunch. I do this with everything. It's just I'm, uh, I'm the worst. But Splendor Belt is definitely... People always ask, is there any part of him that's like you? This is the part. His sort of careful approach to this this massive undertaking. Maybe too careful. Not not willing to take that risk. But but he'll take day-to-day -day risks like a dummy. That's just like me. <laughs> I don't know why I do it So that. basically, hang on to the edge of your seat. <laughs> You're going to see some farm stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like if I spend it all, then I'm going to be like, well, damn it. I shouldn't have done that yet because I need this other thing. And now I got to go work more to, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird piece of behavior from a guy who's pretty weird already. We'll see what he does once he gets his first potatoes out of the ground. That may change everything. Well, we're doing a three month job. So potatoes will be a harvesting. Yep. It'll yeah, be time. You got three months where you know nothing weird is going to come up. For <laughs> it's going to be totally normal. At all. Yeah. And we can retcon some of that and say, well, what'd you do for three months? I went ahead and bought all the shit I need. I mean, we could do that, but I don't know. We'll see. Next question. I was curious to see who each member would love to bring in for a special guest from other D&D shows and even a celebrity. I'm going to jump in and say Gary Oldman. I would. Oh, oh, wow! Go big. I like that. You know, go big or go home. But I think he would be hilarious because he's so good at, at characterization. Yeah, oh, he'd be really good, wouldn't he? Is is Peter Stormare a weird pick? <laughs> no, I, I would watch Holy that guy. Holy shit! I would play D anD D with Peter Stormare in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just watched his. Oh, the, dude! Yeah, this the segment of um of Constantine where he he plays the devil. It's one of the He's most so memorable, good. chewy things you've ever seen on screen. It's amazing. And every time I think of that scene, I think I'd like to hang around that guy for a hot minute. And so, yeah, I'd like to see him do it. 
Oh, he's all yeah. He was also in. Uh, he's he's haunting of uh, Keanu Reeves. He he, he was, did the Baba Yaga guy. Oh right, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was also. Um, you know, he's the one that put Steve Buscemi in the chipper. Like he's an amazing actor, and is in everything, and he should be, and he always should be around, and he's great. He does a lot of video game voice work these days. He's guy's incredible. He did those Volkswagen commercials where they unpimped autos. Yeah, that was the best. Uh, car campaign ad campaign i'd ever seen yeah. <laughs> it's because he's involved he was on an episode of seinfeld where he forgot to plug in the batteries for the <laughs> so they could move the frogger machine and george could keep his high score he's amazing in that he's amazing in everything he gets eaten by a bunch of tiny dinosaurs in the second uh, jurassic park movie <laughs> true. he's the only russian up in space in um armageddon in armageddon yeah Name he's something so he's good. in where he's bad, and I will argue with you for months about what, that that's not true. He's amazing. Well, I thought we were going to go down a route of like people who clearly play D&D and are into it and all of that, but we're just picking people that we think would be fun at the table. So I am going to say I don't know if it would work out great. I don't know how it would go, and that's part of why I love the idea. Werner Herzog. No. That's who I want to play D&D with because Ooh. I guarantee you it would be a damn trip. It'd be You'd amazing. It's a great it. pick, dude. Great pick. When I roll initiative, is there violence? Is there violence? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, the water did nothing to the hole in the room, he'd say. Oh, he'd be amazing. Love him. I, this next question goes oh, to Wait, 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 wait. I got mine. Oh, I got mine. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good, too. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. All right. Hey. Continue. Hey. Okay. All right. Hey. Uh, mainly from a DM perspective, but also for everyone, what tools, online or tangible, do you think have become indispensable for playing? And what tools would you like to use slash try that you haven't yet, i.e. D&D Beyond, Roll20, Player Minis, Vinyl Map, Metal Coins, et cetera? I character sheets. Uh, yeah, I the digital character sheet I've become so addicted to that it is the biggest hurdle for me getting into other tabletop games because I I am terrible at math. I mean, especially on a show, like when you have the pressure of knowing other people are going to watch you do math. Ugh, it's the worst. Something that does it for you and puts it all together and you don't have to, you know, keep track of it. And do all that, it takes off uh, the one element of playing the game that I find stressful. So that's the thing I can't live without. And the thing that I wish is uh, minis. Because I have a friend who's definitely into the mini side of the campaign. And our campaign started right around the time COVID started. So I've never played a campaign with minis. And I just think they're cool. I think people who, you know, I think it's a, it's a not necessary aspect of the game. But when it's there and it's being done, I I really appreciate it. So I love that it exists, and I've never really gotten to experience it. So that's my those are my answers. Um, I don't know all that. I agree with. Also, I wish I knew a really smart software developer who could just build a virtual, um, some kind of tool that would let us easily create spaces and environments and minutia and characters and minis in a virtual way and have it be 3d and we could all be in there at once kind of multiplayer like it's a real simple interface thing doesn't have to be anything fancy just decent textures you could do it in html5 for that matter just do it over a browser and i want it to be ours so it'd be called there will be dungeons 
uh, and this and the software would literally let people create this stuff and we'd use it it's a great name for software i too. agree it's like, perfect aside from our show if you were going to make software to help create dungeons and share them and play digitally there will be dungeons is a fantastic yeah name if you're some it. kind of genius unity developer or somebody like that out there that can do like webhook unity development or something and you you want to make something rad you know just let us know we'll talk <laughs> i do miss there there's a sort of maybe it's just a dm trip but when everyone's got their pencils out and you're all around the table and you just leveled up and everyone's going through the books and they're a little lost so you're kind of swooping and helping this person kind of like you know you're doing grade school teaching you're like let me oh, i'll be right with you that is just so rewarding and it's a little bit maybe like of you're the magician in the room no one knows the tricks and everyone needs you that might be rewarding but i do miss the in the paper in person character sheets a lot it's just it's it's fun and rewarding I agree. Yep. Uh, any link that Co could have robbed Grinkeeper's parents at some point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, not directly. Co until recently, Co didn't really get his hands dirty. Um, at least not much in my in my mind, at least. Like he he definitely ran with a bad crowd. Uh, he might have assisted in Grinkeeper's parents getting robbed, um, but. Mostly he worked as a documents forger and, you know, kind of he was the guy with the better reputation that could help the people with bad reputations get places that they might otherwise not have been able to. Like the nerd helping you with your homework. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's consistent. Speaking of consistent and bad people, I love that Splendor Belt got involved with good wine tonight. <laughs> oh, I, yes. I, I'm not kidding. I would watch an entire campaign of Splendor Belt and good wine. Yeah, and it's like, the it's this it's the Better Call Saul spinoff of There Will Be Dungeons. Like it's an amazing concept. And I I didn't expect it. I just thought I was going to say hi and move on. But that was great. Uh, really next good. question. Do you feel like the episodic seasonal structure you have been working under has forced you to cut short many things you'd rather have spent more time on? In particular, the Withers Estate and Dragon Hunt both felt like they could have easily been two to three episodes. Or is this caused more by needing to make sure guest players' stories are self, uh, self-contained? Will we see a dragon rematch where all the players actually get to finish the fight? That, okay, uh... In my sane brain, in order to, because, you know, if it's a product, we're going to move on. We're going to do what we can. We had a guest for one week and we have to say, okay, we'll just cut scene this. But I do hold a hope that someday we will play live, all of us, and there's an audience there and we will do the dragon fight. Maybe it won't be the same character, but it'll be a dragon fight. And we will enjoy maybe maybe that slice of time that was missed on this show at that time yeah i mean and that you know to to everyone's credit that day it was it was a time crunch and then an inability for us to match up schedules with the guest afterward that just kind of made it so it had to be whatever it had to be but i don't think the the overall concept and structure of a seasonal show like this and the way we're doing it i don't think that is normally an issue like i mean yeah can you drag anything out longer sure could you take a, if you had a, a tech show for that's set to be 25 minutes about the morning tech headlines, do you want to drag that out to four and a half hours just because 
You want to make sure you talk about the Google I.O. conference more than you did? Sure, you can do that to any kind of product. But I feel like the, I don't know, the the containment of the show in this format has been actually really good for it. And it may mean, you know, sometimes you got to do a fast forward over something. But for the most part, it's it's just been a more cohesive thing for the listeners mainly because they can get in and get out and, and understand where they're at and finish the thing up and know that there's a start and a beginning. And I think that makes a difference for people. I think it's a, you know, I think it's a trade off. I think one of the cool things about there will be dungeons is by having, you know, so many episodes with Bo as a DM and like his DM style and the way he does things and then getting Kyle as a DM and the way he's doing things for the show. Um, and what we kind of decided to do, uh, to shift it, I think shows the strengths and the weaknesses of both. Cause I don't think either way is necessarily perfect for a, for a show product. I think you, you get, you know, the good and the bad, you know, uh, when I was, when we were doing our first campaign and I was playing Stanley, Stanley felt like a much more alive character because we saw more of his life. And, you know, I, I think probably, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I would imagine that was kind of true for the other players um, because we had more interpersonal moments and there was time where nothing was really going on and they were just talking to each other. And this, it's a little more, you know, actiony. Um, but as a result, it kind of, you know, it's a little less personal. Co exists while I'm playing him and he's not necessarily in my mind once we're not because it's almost like it's almost like a half step between storytelling and uh, almost playing like a video game where it's like, yeah, I logged in as Co. We played as <laughs> I played as Co today. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it makes for a I think it it makes for maybe a better show to listen to. Um it certainly moves things along at a brisk pace and it it avoids some of the pitfalls that the other um DMing method might fall into. Um but I think it's going to be, you know, I think there's going to be people that like both ways. Awesome. Uh, next question. How much XP was the shade of the Kalazar and what was he? Okay. All right. So, so for our call here, I'm going to, I'm going to turn on my camera briefly. So I'll, you all can see me do headphones in a moment. So everyone on this oh. call is going to take off their headphones. Okay. Okay. And, and then I'm, I'll tell the audience what it was. So you guys don't know. Oh, that's players, a great idea. And then we'll put them back on. Okay. Oh, that's super, uh, yes. Perfect. Yeah. I like this. Okay. All right. All right. So they're gone. So in full disclosure, uh, he is a mummy lord, a challenge rating 15 monster. And of course, the players did face him at his full stats. However, of course, being a lord of things, he shouldn't be fought alone. And it was a very advantageous position. So they will continue to face the Kalazar, a challenge rating 15 monster in season three in his many different forms and encounters. OK, everyone's coming back. I like the universal headphones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I see Kyle waving maniacally, so that must mean we're good. I'm so curious now. I know. I'm not going to go back and listen, though. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it real, baby. Uh, a lot of the campaign has centered on Ko and his psychic powers. Was that planned from the beginning? I seem to remember from a previous bonus show that John said he was a little undecided about his third level path. Hmm. What say you, John? Uh, that's true. I mean, Kyle will have to talk about 
campaign focusing on it, but I was undecided for a while going into the third level. And uh, even before the show started, well, I, I was undecided before the show started, I guess I should say, because uh, we did run into an issue where I was originally going to go a different direction with the character, and I forgot to update his stats when we started. And all of a sudden I had a character that was bad at things he should have been good at and good at things he should have been bad at. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... I found out before we started that I was going to go this kind of psychic route and talk to Kyle and um I don't know I don't know how much of that influenced the campaign um so he can speak to that. It's an interesting question. So the way I run D&D stories ultimately and and this is like a let's not let's not pretend to be magicians or special here. I want people to be able to DM at home. I often start with a very kind of generic, you could even call it organic kind of quest at the beginning, and then let's see what the players grab onto. And almost immediately, you know, I, I did like, there's the, kind of the sound of the background in the underground, and John's like, uh-huh, well, what about that? And I'm like, okay, well, here's the quest for the next time. We're going underground again. They're, they're, immediately, the group kind of grabbed onto the very first thread presented. If they hadn't, if they weren't interested in that, that thread... Would have been something else, and there would have been more side quests until we start to hit that something that made them interested and got them curious. So I, I was kind of lucky in that we did that very, very quickly. And we found through all these side quests an avenue and started piecing all those pieces together. John's kind of uh, per, uh, progression into main characterage, if you want to say that is also because of the difficulty of rationalizing such outrageous powers for a rogue. It, it's really quite the class, and it's kind of a bizarre <laughs> mix of things. And this is already, you know, like, like I've said before, it's like a 18th century kind of technology world. We're not in electricity. Magic still reigns supreme. But... To have psychic stuff suddenly show up at three and be like, hey, guess what? I woke up last night. And I'm psychic. It takes some work. <laughs> and that's and that's why I had to make kind of some some tough cuts on his powers there as we sort of progress them more naturally and got into the story. But he did give me the part about his wife being comatose and, and being in this sort of coma. And that I was able to work into the greater story and start getting his powers also circled back into that. And we're starting to see like Splendor Belt become more involved. Like he has the Kotoa on his, his farm now. Grinkeeper starting to come into her own too. So it's more about which characters, powers, and stories came up first. But we can still fart off to Gondor and, and play around with other characters while Ko, the maybe Sam Frodo of the story, does his main journey. Yeah, so there you go. If you want to, uh, if you're an egomaniac like me, just pick the weirdest thing that you know is going to make your DM jump through a bunch of logic hoops, and then you get to be important. It was yeah. really fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, it's so funny because I picked the class for a reason that I even knew I wasn't going to get to use. Like, I, I knew the structure of the show because Kyle had told us, 
But there was something about the notion that, like, when you get stabbed by a psychic blade, it doesn't leave a mark. I was like, oh, what a cool assassin that would be. Like, you know, there's you don't even leave a wound. Like, you know, I just pictured going through a crowd and you just you stab somebody and they just fall over and everybody's going, there's no mark. What what caused this? And, you know, you slip away unnoticed. I was like, oh, that's such a cool rogue thing. Uh, I want to be this class. And then I thought about the world Kyle was presenting and how it was going to work and what we had talked about. And I was like, that's never going to be a thing. I'm picking it because I'm excited about a thing that I know isn't going to happen, but it was enough to get me on the path for that class. And I think the class is really cool. And I I really love the way he decided to run with the story because, I mean, I would have been okay with it if he was just like, oh, you wake up, you're psychic. I would have been like, sweet, that's awesome. And uh, if the listeners think that's a weird leap, well, you know, that's how D&D goes sometimes. But I think the way he tied it into the story and made a part of the story was very cool. And it was a, a neat way to feel like those powers weren't just arbitrary because I picked something on a spreadsheet. Awesome. And we have one last question before we end the show. How does Splinterbelt's God feel about his track record of healing versus farming? <laughs> Could we see a deity shift to one of nature? Okay, and so, it was responded that Paylor is the God of Agriculture as well in the Discord. Yeah, I was going to say we'd, we'd probably be fine. The problem, the, the, the idea though of that is actually kind of interesting. And I did, I did have a thought of like, well, if I really shift my thoughts away from healing everybody and you know, all the things Paylor wants me to do, but instead focused entirely on this farm. There is some fun idea about being forsaken by the God of choice and, and, and that another God would have to swoop in and I'd almost have to be like defrocked of, of, of Paylor's grace and then picked up by somebody else so that I could be rejuvenated again, but under a new, you know, under a new watchful eye or whatever, like there's some fun to be had there. But the problem is, Paylor's already into agriculture and farming, so I don't think I don't think we get to have that kind of fun. But that's a great question. I love that question. It's great. Well, and it, it's a very like works in mysterious ways kind of thing too. Sure. Like, sure, Pay, Paylor chose to empower this potato loving half orc with all his intricacies and bizarreness with divine light. And I think that's such a cool just quest device because you kind of, as, as the god, you would know where he's off to. And that this particular person would make the right choice at that moment someday. And, and he does. He's got, he's got a heart of gold as, as much as he loves the gold in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, there could be something that happens there. Who knows? But it is, you know, I am trying to portray a conflicted individual. I am trying to say... You know, as fun as it all is and as goofy as the potato thing is, the concept here isn't meant to be that goofy. It's like he is being he is being challenged in it's like somebody going, I don't know, to school to be a biologist and then saying, man, I really wanted to sing for a living. You know what I mean? It's like that. So he's having a crisis and he's torn and he does his duty. But at the same time, his heart may lay, lie elsewhere. And uh, we'll see what that ends up happening or what what it does to him. But yes, you're on the right track that there's a. You know, there's a conflict and he's feeling it. Uh, these are great questions and we love them, but we need more of them. So here's how you get them. You go to the, or send them to us. You go to the website, therewillbedungeons.com. And on that site, you will find a place to enter them. And if you'd rather do it a different way, you can use our Discord. All There's all kinds of ways to get it to us, but send them in. 
and let us know your thoughts, feelings, and questions for our next bonus show. And thank you once again for all your great support out there. I think that's going to do it. I want to thank uh, Kyle, Kristen, John, and everybody out there who helped contribute to today's bonus show. We'll be back next time with more. We'll see you then. <laughs>